You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Yakima Chief Hops Bigger Than Beer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing the larger impact of the hop and craft beer community. My name is Tony Lynn Adams, and I am honored to serve as the host of the Bigger Than Beer podcast. This season's focus is amplifying the voices, stories, and contributions of women plus in the industry, while also exploring solutions for positive change. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, uh, the recent recipient of the UC Davis Port Forward Scholarship and founder of GLOW, Mariana De Silva Schneider. Thank you for joining me, Mariana. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. This Absolutely. is awesome. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. Um, so just to introduce yourself to the listeners, um, will you tell me a little bit about your current role within the brewing community and, and where you're located? Right. So my name is Mariana De Silva Schneider. My friends call me Mari or Mari. Uh, I am from southern Brazil, but I currently live and work in Copenhagen, Denmark. I am the brewer of Ama Poikus, though if you look up the name, it will say Amager, but Danes don't really pronounce half of the, you know, half of anything, really. <laughs> it's a complicated language. Um, have been here for about four and a half years, and uh, somewhere along the way, I founded GLOW, which stands for Global Ladies of Wart. And it's, uh, I wouldn't really call it a hobby. I, I would say it's more of a, a passion and a necessity of mine. So a passionate necessity, is that what you said? Yeah. I love that. I love where it's, you're really passionate about it, kind of how you would feel about, you know, a passion project, but you feel a calling. It sounds like you feel kind of a calling to that. Um, So, you know, you founded GLOW, Global Ladies of Wart. Can you share the story and mission behind that? Yeah, so... Glow goes back to 2019 to a different world, I would say. Okay. A bit of unfortunate timing because we started Glow in November 2019. So mm. little did we know. Little did we know. <laughs> <laughs> what was around the corner? Exactly. New world, indeed. <laughs> um, so in 2019, uh, the, the story of how Glow came to be is very personal in the sense that it, it like it, it revolved around uh, uh, what was going on with me both professionally and personally 2019 was a very difficult year for me uh, it uh, I had some issues with work that were related to uh, the other brewer being sick for a very long time and like having to to see like my my work husband slash one of my good friends here going through something very problematic with his health and not only that but also being away from work for an extended period of time and just me being in a very weird place emotional and Mm -hmm. like thinking oh what if it had happened to me or something like that not that it was work related but because the year before I had a serious work accident so I had all of these things like bubbling in my mind um but, you know, at, at that time, we were still traveling a lot, doing festivals, doing events and all of that, and still, like, talking to women all the time about, you know, the same old stuff, about the treatment we get at events, about, 
not being taken seriously or when, you know, you do tell people that you are a brewer or somebody in the industry, you get like this inquisition about mm -hmm. your cr credentials and whatnot. So all of that was happening. And uh, what, also throughout my career and especially in 2019 being alone a lot of time and like questioning why we did things a certain way in the brewery i realized that a lot of my go-to people were women mm -hmm. and even for technical stuff and kind of started uh, building a dream team in my mind like oh wouldn't it be nice to work with this person in this project and this person in this project and all of that so all of all of those different factors started working together and, and I'm like, man, I, I, I really wish I could see all my girls right now because I miss them and all of this and blah, blah, blah. And how can I make it happen so that I can have all of them under the same roof at the same time? Mm -hmm. So how do I create an event or the right set of circumstances that I can bring these wonderful women together and we can talk both about what we're going through in the industry but also like talk about beer, talk about our jobs, talk about what gets out of get us out of bed in the morning and you know all those things too that we have in common. And and I started to think about oh what why do we have events like meet the brewer but not meet the people? Mm -hmm. uh, so can you expand on on the mission behind Glow and what Glow is is working to accomplish? Absolutely. Um, the mission is to make gender or, well, it started with gender, but of course it, it it's, it's a more ample concept because it's not just about gender. It's about uh, cultural background, ethnicity, uh, social, economical situation, all of that to try to make those things irrelevant. Uh, but also to kind of break away from that, uh, you know, brewer rock star stigma that people have and that annoys me a lot in this industry because we we like roll out the red carpet for the brewer and the brewer, you know, gets to go out and have fun and do all of these things. And then there's all of the other people in the system, uh, you know, within the industry that are supporting this person. So how do we highlight all the women, you know? while making gender irrelevant, which I know sounds a bit contradictory. And also make sure that we highlight all the moving pieces that make beer happen, not just production, but everybody, everybody from the, you know, from the farmers to the people selling raw ingredients to the people in accounting and to the people pouring the beer behind the bar to make sure that everybody feels included from beginning to end and regardless of who they are. Of course, we started as Global Ladies of Work because that's, you know, that was my support group at the time, talking to women about our struggles. But we really want this concept to be about how do we make everybody feel included and how do we make people's uh, personal things uh, irrelevant mm -hmm. and make them relevant in beer, in brewing. Right. I, I, I noted down what I what I hear you saying is it's so people focused and it's not just brewer focused, it's not putting brewers on a pedestal. It's like, how do we bring all the people who make beer happen? They all are being brought to the table. All their voices are being heard. They're creating a community that's inclusive of everyone who's involved in the process from start to finish, not just those who are, are creating the, the product in the brew house. 
um, which I think is just really important because then what you do is you are diversifying the backgrounds, the voices, and uh, creating an environment that says, you know, of all walks of life, whatever your passions are, you are creating this craft beer community because it takes it takes a village, right? It takes everyone participating to make a brewery successful, not just one individual. So how do we all make sure that experience is a positive one instead of just for for one individual within the company? So I, I really liked your, your approach to that and hearing you kind of describe it. It's very interesting and I think very inspiring of of an approach in general to to leadership, to how people run their businesses, to how you focus on organization. Um, so very cool to learn a little bit more about that. Uh, so you you talked about you felt um, you wanted. I, I liked your story of um, why you felt called to establish this nonprofit was that you saw individuals who who you wanted to spend more time with, and then it kind of grew from there. Can you talk a little bit about how it's grown and adapted over time? Yeah, so we went from, you know, our first glow get-together was to brew a beer that we ended up naming Long Before You Were Born, Mm -hmm. which, you know, women have been in this since, you know, long before you were born. Uh, And we ended up having about 30 different women from 15 breweries uh, in I think six different countries come over and brew that beer with us. And then we had the event, uh, which wasn't a meet the brewer. It was meet the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was our first get together and we're like, okay, so what do we stand for? What do we want to do? What is our vision? What, are, what is the end goal here? So, of course, you know, in the beginning, there's all that enthusiasm and everybody's like, yeah, let's do this. And and we we had all these plans that got immensely sidetracked by this little virus that's going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what it ended up happening was that we uh, through those first meetings, especially that first one, we started this group where through, you know, how most of our relationships are virtual these days. So we we have this group where we support one another and we go to for, be it emotional support or technical questions or whatever, we we have this expanding group of people throughout the world who, who are there for one another, even though there's nothing official, there's not like a membership or anything like that. People who identify as part of this movement they join us and uh, last year with Corona trying to ease down for a little bit uh, because we didn't have the chance to get everybody under the same roof again we tried to pulverize this a little bit by having events that we call glow along and Yakima was somehow involved in it because for the first glow along one of the things that we wanted from people was for everybody to use the pink boots blend because we did it Everybody was complaining that uh, Corona was uh, financially difficult. Uh, so we we're like, everybody has to buy hops for their beer mm-hmm. in a way, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody buys from Yakima no matter where they are. So we can still have people help a good cause without asking them to directly take money from their pockets to give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was done through the Pink Boots blend. Mm-hmm. And then the second glow along that happened at the community blunt, even though it was an official product, uh, it was like a bit of testing to, to see if maybe the thing that you guys do with the veterans plan and 
think this one could be turned into a, a, pro, uh, a product, like a formal product. And then with uh, this glow along, there was a portion of uh, pop sales that would be turned into a donation from Yakima, and then the breweries would have to match that donation. Mm -hmm. So that was how we communicated last year. Oh, well, it, it's just really, you know, so cool to hear about how there were ties with Yakima Chief Hops and, and Glow Along and, and your perspective of saying, really evaluating, okay, we have um, these participants, the, this collective, and how do we keep in mind that there's been financial hardships during this pandemic and still make sure that we're, we're working towards what we ultimately want to do, which is brew this beer. Um, so seeing how we can kind of solve, you know, th those issues and, and be mindful of that. And... I, I, I would love to hear more about how um, how Glow continues to work to end gender bias in the in the beer community, which I know is a huge part of of the the mission and and the um, ethos of Glow. One thing that it's important for us is to highlight the people that are involved in beer for what they are doing and what they bring to the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand this might seem a bit contradictory, but um, as much as I love that uh, women and other, you know, minorities are are being, you know, are getting more involved in the conversations these days, especially since, you know, everything that happened last year, I still want is, you know, I want people to to be inviting women to, you know, give a, a talk on a topic that she knows. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, be invited to, uh, I don't know, to give a lecture about something, you know, about their knowledge, about what they know specifically. And again, it doesn't have to be just about brewing. I want somebody to be like, you know what, that person is very good in managing a brewery. Why, you mm -hmm. know, why don't we have her talk about it? She's ace in accounting that, you know, that person knows so much about canning, you know, mm -hmm. all of these things that could contribute. So uh, the idea behind highlighting people throughout, you know, whatever beer entails is to make sure that we are reminded that these people come with knowledge mm -hmm. and we need to, you know, we need to focus on who they are as individuals, of course, because everybody is unique. But we need to also know that part of what makes them unique is their knowledge and their experiences. Mm -hmm. So we need to give them space to to share their knowledge with others and especially to bring other people into beer who wouldn't otherwise. Mm -hmm. But through this diversity of people that we have, there will always be the chance that more people will identify with something from someone. Mm -hmm. and And then they will feel a bit more um at ease or less intimidated about joining beer because there's a lot of a lot of you know people trying to make beer into this bizarre inaccessible thing and we are here to show that you know there there are people from all walks of life as you have said who have made it into the industry and that can help you you know get your foot in the door and become a brewer or a salesperson or a hop expert or whatever it is you yeah know? absolutely and it is a cross cross borders collective um as you said when you had that that first uh 
brew day where you had 30 different women, you know, 15 different breweries, and then six different countries. Um, So can you tell me why it is important to you to take a truly global approach? Sure. Um, There's one thing that I think it's important to disclose, especially when, you know, the podcast is in the U.S. and the population is so huge. Over here, if I want to hold a meeting with women from the industry, it will be a small room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So part of part of what happened was, you know, when when I want to talk to other women and stuff like that, I end up doing that more at festivals when people from different countries are, you know, in the same place than I do it here because, yeah, there there are people here, but they're the populations are still small, even in larger cities here, especially in Scandinavia. But that's just like a minor point that I just wanted to clarify. No, that makes anyway. that makes a ton of sense. That does explain a lot of like, it's a necessity to be global because the, the, the um, number of women within the industry is, is so limited. So that's a great point to bring up. Of, yes. It's an absolute necessity to take a global approach when you look at numbers, when you look at sheer numbers, it's a necessity. But also about the the global approach is that, you know, you because of Internet and what have you, you end up meeting people from all over the world and women talk Mm -hmm. like we we have no reservation like, oh, I'm you know, this is taboo. I I don't want to talk about this. No, like we're open books Mm -hmm. and you will talk to women and they will they will tell you what's up with them. You will tell them what's up with you. And you're like holy shit, it's the same anywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. the same problems that I have here of people, you know, sometimes questioning me on my knowledge will happen to somebody in the U.S., will happen to someone in Brazil, in New Zealand, India, whatever. So through all these conversations that a lot of us have had through the years, we're like, it's everywhere. This is like a pandemic before the pandemic. So how... How do we include people from all over the world in this conversation? And how can we make these things happen even though we are so far apart? I mean, collaborations can happen, sure, but it's it's not always possible. There are places that are exceptionally hard, if not expensive, or, you know, too time-consuming to get to. So how, how do we make sure that there is... Uh, a widespread movement, even though we cannot be everywhere at all times, which, you know, comes with a lot of letting go of control. It also comes with, you know, trying to to find the right way to communicate what your values are and make sure that the people you associate with are, you know, have the same vision as you do. So there, there is there are difficulties involved with it, but there's also immense opportunities because the more diverse the people are that you talk to, the more different opinions you get. And that's where growth comes from for sure. Absolutely. And I have learned so much by talking to different people. It's wonderful. Yeah. You know, when you were saying, you know, women communicate with each other and share these experiences and then you're like, Oh, you're experiencing the same same you know mistreatment or uh, credential inquisition that I'm experiencing. It's like that's a universal experience that we don't want. We don't want every woman in every region to experience the same thing. It's the universal experience that's like I 
well, obviously it's a problem. So like, how do we, how do we work to build a community to address these things head, head on? But I, I did, uh, when you, when you said that, it just kind of earmarked it for me of, wow, it's not just in one location. It's, it's everywhere. So how do we, how do we work to address that as a entire collective, you know, across, across different borders, across different, um, continents and whatnot. Um, and I would like to kind of dive into, you know, you are the the recent recipient of the UC Davis Port Forward Scholarship. So I'd love to talk with you a little bit about that. Um, you know, this is a, a crowdfunded scholarship designed to support diversity, leadership, and cross-cultural understanding in the brewing industry. And it provides uh, full enrollment in the online UC Davis Master Brewers cert- Certificate Program. Uh, so first and foremost, congratulations! That's amazing news. Um, you know, such well deserved. And when I when I read through that, I think, wow, it fits you perfectly. Like when you look at all that you have worked on, uh, it's a you are a true embodiment of what the mission of the scholarship is. So uh, just again, congratulations! And uh, can you tell me a little bit about what this scholarship means to you? Well, first of all, I, I still can't believe that it happened because, you know, you, you hear about UC Davis, the Master Brewers program, and you're like, yeah, you know, out of my league type thing. Um, and then, you know, uh, it's it's been going on for eight weeks now, and it's Friday evening in the morning over at uh, where you guys are. And I'm, you know, logging on to Zoom, and I see Charlie Bamforth, the king of bubbles in front of me, like the <laughs> kind of stuff that just blows my mind I, I can't even uh, and not to mention that this is the first time that they're doing the course online and everything is in such great shape you you really feel that they have put time and effort into this and also the fact that everybody at UC Davis like you send an email and you're just counting until it's office hours and then you get a reply straight away basically like so they make you feel welcome and included and all of that like everything has been so wonderful but one of the great things that uh they highlighted and so did you when you were uh uh talking about the scholarship is the fact that it supports diversity diversity leadership leadership and cross-cultural understanding and the fact that they bring up the leadership part is so important because when we are talking about diversity and inclusion we cannot just you know be like oh we want to hire all sorts of different people to work in our tap room so we look good mm-hmm. or we want people to so we can show to our social media followers that we are a diverse company real diversity will only happen when you have all sorts of people in leadership positions Mm -hmm. it's not just you know we have here you know 95 percent cis white dudes who are company owners and then everybody else is beneath them and they're not in the decision making process Mm -hmm. so the fact that there's a an understanding that through education we can move people up not that i think people should be up or down everybody should be next to each other but it is how things kind of work but the fact that they're trying to move, you know, people who are different in whatever way that aren't the standard of the industry. The the fact that they're focused on that through education is it's just amazing because this is how we get things done, really. Mm-hmm. It's not by, you know, saying, oh, everybody's welcome. And then 
having the eventual, you know, rainbow on your can or something like that. The change has to come through making sure that there's access to decision making. There's no other way that this can happen. It's like electing, you know, people for the Senate who do not represent at all the population of, you know, your state. Mm -hmm. Like that it, there's a great dissonance in something like that. So we need to make sure that people are having access to the decision-making process, people like you and me and people who aren't like you and me, and make sure that it's as diverse and as nonsensical in a way as possible because there's no standard. Anybody can be there. Yeah, and, to, you know, to me, education is... I see it as such a of investment into the future, right? It's it's like a long-term goal of, of how we want to get to where we are. And um, educating and providing platforms for leaders to step forward into new opportunities, it's... Uh, We've used this phrase a couple times on the podcast, but, um, you know, all, and I, I've never said it right once yet, but it's like rising tides raise all boats. And so it's essentially what the entire community, um, it helps everyone when we, when we amplify more people, uh, into leadership roles that are reflective of, of diversity, uh, different backgrounds. Um, what we're doing is really creating a, a momentum for everyone else as well. Um, and I liked your point of, you know, how, how crucial it is to have diversity in where decision-making is happening. I mean, so important because, um, that's where you need the different perspectives. That's where you need different voices. So you can look at it from a very broad spectrum. So I appreciate all, all those points that you made about the the importance of a scholarship like this and, and, and what it does uh, and how it benefits the entire industry. You know, being enrolled in the program, what will the next year look like for you? So how, how can you tell me like how long is the program? What does it look like? Um, and just kind of explain it a little bit. Yeah, so the in-person course, I think, is 16 weeks long or something like that, mm -hmm. the one that's full-time. So it has been transformed into an 18-month-long uh, online wow. course mm -hmm. uh, spread across seven modules, if, if I remember correctly. Uh, more or less self-paced, but also uh, not entirely because there are things that have deadlines. So every week you have a new set of lectures, a new set of reading material, and it wraps up with a quiz. And then at the end of each module, you have uh, like a final, basically. And you have some extra assignments every second or third week. So you have to make that happen in your work schedule because as this is not a full-time thing people are doing while they're working while they're raising their kids while they're doing a million other things you know but uh so, so, so the next year is going to be you know on top of your work you're going to be studying you're going to be you know watching lectures and uh so it's going to be a busy year ahead for you yeah so basically every Every moment that I get at the brewery, I run to the computer, watch like 10 minutes of a lecture, and then I, I'm walking around with Kunze, which is like the, the Bible of brewing and a little highlighter, and people <laughs> look at me like I'm insane. But 
you have to squeeze it in those moments mm -hmm. and then you sacrifice weekends. But at the same time, like you said, it's something looking into the future. And, you know, for people like me, for instance, I'm here on a work visa. So I, I always have to be thinking, like, what can I do to make my resume as, you know, as attractive as possible? Because what if, you know, the immigration laws change or what if my next visa doesn't get approved or whatever? So this is amazing mm -hmm. in that regard. But also in the sense that <laughs> this tied in so perfectly with my uh, plans for GLOW. Because last year we're talking about, okay, we need to get back on it. Like Corona no longer is an excuse. Everybody's busy, but we need to make stuff happen. So what do we want to do? And basically it, it, it all came back to education and how can we, we cannot give people a formal education, but we can help them with whatever knowledge we have. Mm -hmm. So we are in the works of creating some sort of online platform where we can it, it would work kind of like a book club where you would get a reading assignment and then it would wrap up with a discussion, but also with a lecture uh, from somebody that knows that subject well. And what we're trying to do is make people who either want to get into beer or people who already are in it to be more comfortable about topics that they're not necessarily, you know, that uh, English, I'm sorry. Yeah, all good. <laughs> that they're not great at or something you know so you know if you're if you're from sales and you don't really know about ingredients but you would like to know more we're going to talk about malt we're going to talk about you know uh the malting process we're going to talk about hops we're going to talk about water um if you're in production and like me you you do not know anything about what goes on in the sales side of things. You could get some insight from there. You could get some uh, tips on how to make a perfect uh, expenses spreadsheet or, you know, all of those things. Uh, mostly also because we, we want to always operate as, uh, you know, free access to people. So we rely on volunteers to do that. So I understand that these things take time and preparation and people don't have a lot of, you know, disposable hours in their very crazy weeks. People from the business understand that, but we want to give people the opportunity to learn a bit more without spending money that they don't necessarily have and hopefully be more comfortable uh, either performing their roles or even expanding their knowledge throughout other areas in beer. So yeah. if I, you know, by the end of this, after 18 months of studying, I am hoping to be able to fill in some of those gaps myself because why not like put your money where your mouth is basically. So awesome. How, how do you view that, that this um, program will impact your career? Well, it'll definitely make things busier. <laughs> but honestly, um, if there's one thing that I think about uh, as my career goal, in a way, it, it isn't as far as, you know, in a number of years being working for a company like a brewery of a certain size or a specific brewery even, or making this amount of money or whatever. It is to just work towards the beer scene that I want to see that mm -hmm. I envision for women who are younger than me or girls who will eventually fall in love with beer at some point. Mm -hmm. 
So what I want is to create spaces for people, for people to grow, for people to talk about the hard stuff, uh, for people to have chances that maybe weren't there for others, you know. Um, so both GLOW and Pour It Forward Scholarship work to support those who have traditionally been underrepresented within the brewing community. Can you share what your vision for the future of the beer community is? Yes. I I, I always have a ready answer for that. Uh, my, my dream for GLOW specifically is to push a self-destruct button and watch it go up in flames. It will be the day that it's like, we are not needed. Walk away from it. So our goal for the craft beer community, and this is what I'm hoping, you know, initiatives like the Pour It Forward Scholarship and Michael Jackson Foundation and all of these amazing humans were, you know, putting their minds to work to to make change happen, is that further down the line, five, ten years from now, we are not needed. None of these initiatives are needed that we become irrelevant, obsolete, a thing of the past, a drunken anecdote somewhere in the history of beer because it so much time has passed that it's just, it's still a bit crazy that things are this necessary and urgent even like how how did so much time pass with things being as bad as they have been without people putting a stop to it um I mean, I, I know that last year will probably be a thing that, like, people will talk about if, if they're studying, you know, the history of beer and, and whatnot, but we really need to work towards the, the beer industry thinking that, whoa, wasn't it insane how that used to be, how it happened, like, that you would walk into a brewery and you would ask the woman to... Uh, get the brewer there because he wanted, you know, you wanted to buy 100 grams of Citra and couldn't trust her to know what Citra was or to use a scale, you know, so we, these initiatives by, again, it, it all goes back to putting people in the decision-making positions that are, that are effectively going to promote change. Uh, you know, when you were talking about your vision of not being needed anymore, I can't even tell you how much that resonates because that is when we were talking about this podcast and I said, my goal is that we will never need this podcast, essentially, or this season's podcast, that we won't need to be having a specific, you know, dedication to women plus in the industry because it's just the industry. It's not, we're not having to call out that, you know, uh, a brewer is a, a woman brewer. Like eventually oh, we want to get to that place, but right now we're not like it. So there is a necessity right now. It is, um, an unequal brewing industry. So how do we address it in that? Point? And that's where it's like get, working to get on equal ground. But my hope is that in the future, a podcast like this is not needed and that, like you said, it'll be obsolete. It'll be a thing of the past. It, it was ne necessary. Um, but we're in a time right now where, where organizations like Glow and um, a podcast season like this focusing on, on uh, women plus in the industry 
is needed. Um, so, but I just, gosh, that, that vision really resonated with me because that's what's always been in the back of my head too for, for this kind of initiative is that I hope one day we will be in a place where we don't need this anymore, essentially. 100%. Are there any other organizations, clubs, resources, or, or individuals you would like to share with listeners who are interested in learning about how they can support underrepresented members of the brewing community? Right. So one thing that I think is important that I, I need to, to mention through, uh, you know, as, as we talk about this is that people, people should find uh, a way to be inclusive and supportive, but people should also support themselves. Mm -hmm. So if, and, and this is particularly problematic with women because of the so-called imposter syndrome because women are great at helping each other out but they're not necessarily great at looking after you know their own career personal life or what have you so you want to help people great start by making sure you're in a position to help people mm -hmm. so one thing that I do tell people to do is uh, look for ways to make sure that your situation is safe, that your job is secure, or that you're mentally sound. All of those things. So start with that. Take good care of yourself, especially because in beer, everybody is going insane or depressed or burned out, all of those things. So take good care of yourself and look for ways to make sure that there is longevity in your career and in your health and all of that. So, got that sorted, okay. There are resources out there that can still help you improve your career. So every once in a while, go to institutions pages, go to, you know, we spent so much time on our phones, put that to good use. Go to UC Davis, go to Siebel, go to Michael Jackson Foundation, Pink Boots, whatever. See what the resources are, you know, are out there and see what could apply to you. Mm-hmm organizations that are doing what we're doing or doing something similar or doing something that is just like it but focused on other groups and there is no uh oh you should do this or versus that or anything like that you, you just should look at all of them mm -hmm. and see what resonates the most with you or see which one can help you but which one you can help as well so because it, it has to it has to be for everybody so it's like oh okay I, I've joined GLOW because I I know it's about gender bias but I I can also speak about you know something else I can speak as an immigrant working you know in a different country I can speak as uh, I don't know somebody who really knows this specific trade and I could help these people or you know uh, find ways to help yourself but find ways to also help the community and help the others around you uh, I brought up Michael Jackson Foundation before and I, I will bring it up again because I think that what they're doing is immensely important again about I, I will not say this enough times about making sure that everyone is making decisions not just a handful of people and no representation um, many years ago, a woman in the UK called Sophie the Ronde started the International Women's Collaboration Day that goes 
around March 8th, you know, a week before, a week after, whatever, and mm -hmm. then she plots a map with all the information about breweries doing things, bars hosting events and whatnot, and people can just, like, go to uh, the website, it's called unitedbrew.org, mm -hmm. and they can uh, register their event, their brewery, their homebrew even, to participate, and you can kind of see how really is a global thing so what she started is just wonderful and every year they have a different theme for what the international women's collab day is which is pretty cool and you also kind of end up learning more about breweries that are trying to you know make change happen and all of that so that's a pretty cool resource um in the uk as well there's a cool project called the queer brewing project and it's about trans visibility it was started by a woman called Lily Waite, and she just goes around Europe, but she has been to the U.S. I think she brewed with Seventh Son in Florida and maybe a couple of other places, and she goes around uh, to brew beer, bring visibility to, it's, well, it's called the Career Brewing Project, but, you know, to uh, trans people in beer as well, and how she usually operates is that the beer is uh, towards raising funds to a LGBTQ um, nonprofit in the area where she brewed the beer, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, in Switzerland, a good friend of mine started uh, the beer, as in B I E R, which is We Brew for Inclusion, Equality, and Respect. It's the name of their project. It's a bunch of, they're mostly brewers in Zurich, Basel, and a few other places who are actually brewing a couple of collabs right now to raise funds for Queza in Rwanda, which Yakima is also involved with. I'm sure you've heard about it. Mm -hmm. They're also pretty great if you want to hear about what traditional sorghum brewing is shoot them a message and then they can give you a lesson in history if nothing else so there are many good resources and incredible stories out there just yesterday i was uh hearing about lifting lucy yes so you know <laughs> you if if you look around like it, it's pretty impressive how you you know you can click on a post and then somebody will be tagged and you're like I'm curious about this person and then you go and click on that person and then you're like oh she's doing great things and then you you know it, it kind of goes from there you know not everything has to be a, a rabbit hole of negative negativity and bad things so the internet is out there there are resources there are people who can help you and there are ways that you can help people and again uh, it's not all about money. You can always help people with your time. Don't ever underestimate the value of volunteer work mm -hmm. or the knowledge that you have. And I know, again, women do that a lot. They're like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know how I can help, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you always can. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's you have so much power in your hands and in your brain. So just forget everything that you have been indoctrinated. Uh, those were all wonderful points, and I'm so glad you brought up some of those organizations to share with listeners, um, to just be aware of, to check out, see how they can get involved, support, um, and we'll be sure to include those in the show notes in the podcast description so that we can kind of help direct people there as well to check out. Um, 
you know, I I just appreciate you brought up so many good points in there that, um, you know, talking about looking at taking care of yourself first. I think that's so important. Um, it's kind of like the phrase of, you know, if you're in an airplane, you put your oxygen mask on first, right? And then you help others. It's exactly what we're talking about here of just being able to, to be sure that you have longevity in your own brewing career by taking care of you know, your own health, your own mental health, um, and making sure you're in a secure place and then looking how you can then um, provide service to others. I really liked your point about... Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be financial. If that is a barrier, there's time, you know, there's knowledge that we can we can use to help support one another. So I appreciate all those points that you brought up for, for myself and for others to check out as well. Uh, what words of, of encouragement or advice would you share with other women or non-binary folks in the industry? You are not alone. It's I know it's a cliche, but you are not alone. Mm-hmm. I have found true friendship in beer. I have found inspiration. I have found knowledge. I have found everything. You just have to uh, a understand that you are worth people's time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that your knowledge exists and that if you're there, if if you're out there doing a job, it means that you know something. So, like, stop, you know, belittling yourself. So that's, like, the starting point, you know. Have enough faith in yourself that you can walk into a conversation and talk to people, even if it is to ask for help. Uh, you'd be surprised at, like, how quick people are to stop what they're doing and come to your aid. Mm-hmm. Glow started like that. Glow started because I was like at the end of my rope and I'm like, I need help. And mm-hmm. I turned to these women and all of them at the drop of a hat, they were like, how can we do this for you, for us, for the community? So don't don't suffer in silence. Like look for allies. They're everywhere. You just, you know, open up to people and you'd be surprised at the positive reactions that you'll get. Don't think that your questions are stupid, like, oh, I don't know anything. How am I going to ask this, like, very experienced brewer about this? No. Ask ask the question. Maybe, you know, five or ten years ago, that was that sa- <laughs> the same thing going on in that person's mind. So mm-hmm. be kind to yourself. Know you're not alone. Ask for help. And... I know it's hard. I know sometimes uh, we want to give up and it's hard to, you know, it's hard after, you know, that one asshole destroy your day at the festival or that one bad review that was personal kind of ruined your day. But don't let it get to you. But also remember that deep down it is just beer and beer should be easy. Ear should be fun. Ear sh- beer should be lighthearted um it shouldn't be this overly complicated thing that is inaccessible and that makes you feel stupid when you order a beer at a bar and people look at you sideways because you don't know what a coach is or something you know Mm -hmm. so have have faith that you know what you're doing and also have faith in the fact that it's okay not to know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and again look for allies we are out there we, we are out there and we're here for you. Wow. Those 
those words of encouragement and advice are incredibly powerful. You are not alone. You are worth people's time. You know, have confidence in what you do know and have confidence that it's okay to not know everything. I couldn't have asked for, you know, a more inspiring note to kind of wrap things up on. Uh, thank you. That was, that was seriously was very powerful. And I think that it'll resonate with many listeners. Um, absolutely. Any, any closing thoughts and things you want to circle back on or make sure that we share with listeners? Uh, yeah, I, I actually feel a bit stupid that I forgot to mention that Glow is brewing a beer for Pour It Forward <laughs> to raise funds for for the scholarship. I'm like, ah, that kind of slipped my mind. You <laughs> no, know, I'm glad you brought calendar. that up. Yeah. I'm super excited to brew it and I'm finally going to have to have, you know, I, I can have some friends over the brewery again without us, you know, standing three meters away from each other. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And I even got like some uh, sponsors to donate stuff. White Labs is donating East and Fuglesung, which is a local malster, is donating malt. So pretty, pretty cool to find a way to pay it forward in a sense. So I just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that, but actually there is something that I do want to mention, which, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the second we cut this, I'm going to remember a thousand things that I wanted to bring up. But um, I'm one of those crazies that likes Karl Marx, which I know that a lot of people are terrified of, but I'm like, there's this thing that uh, I am that is always in the back of my mind and has always been since I started working in beer, which is the concept of alienation. So basically when you alienate somebody uh, in the economical sense, it just means that the people producing something do not have access to that good. And I think a lot about low wages in the price of craft beer in specific. And that is but a small part of what I'm trying to say now. We cannot talk about inclusion and diversity when the prices of beer exclude 80 or 90% of the population. And this is not me trying to tell people how to market their products in any ways, but I do think that we need to take a step back and think about how we as breweries can make sure that we have inclusive brands in the sense that People who don't have as much disposable income can still enjoy a beer and can still feel included and not, you know, walk into a bar and feel shocked at the prices of things and then walk away after having had a half beer because they cannot afford to be there. So we cannot talk about inclusion until we find ways of making beer democratic and accessible for all. And again, I'm not saying that people should stop making, you know, stop selling the beers that they are or stop dry hopping their beers or anything like that. But we need to find that that common uh, beer style or whatever it is where you can all, always have a tap in your tap room that is like a, a Pilsner or something like that, that is not heavily hopped, that, you know, takes less raw ingredients and all of that to make sure that. The beer nerd can have, you know, his five-time dry hopped, hazy, whatever. But somebody else that still wants to drink beer and have a good time can go in there and enjoy a beer and, you know, and not feel that the price tag on the beer automatically excludes them from it. Mm -hmm. So we need, 
we we got to find some sort of balance where we can still be inventive and crazy and do silly stuff and you know have the occasional experimental beer that is going to be pricey but also make sure that you know women have his, his we we still have a pay gap in whatever industry so how can we in you know how can we talk about inclusion and all of that while selling ten dollar beers a can or you know so I, I do think that we need as an industry to work towards making sure that people who have been marginalized all this time financially as well have access to beer we I'm just repeating myself at this point it's just that I think about this so much like every time I go out and I look at a a, a price list of beer I'm like wow like who can realistically afford this so how are we gonna make sure that everybody has access to this so we 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 need to put our minds to to work to make sure that inclusion isn't just you know oh let's talk about it let's hire all sorts of people we need to make sure that beer is for everybody by everybody it has to work both ways that's a really so that, interesting point to bring up. I'm glad you brought that up of being mindful of um, accessibility from a financial standpoint and making sure that that's not a barrier to welcoming more people into into the brewery, um, into the tap room or, or whatever it is, making sure that there are options for um, you know people of different economic status so that what we do is create a more diverse community, um, open up accessibility to, to everyone, which is the ultimate goal. So I'm really glad you brought up that point. Thank you. I think a lot of people, uh, they're like, oh, you know, we want to create an exclusive product in the sense that it's very good. But the second they say an exclusive problem, my stomach starts to turn. I'm like, why would you want to make an exclusive product? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You probably want to make a high quality product. You probably want to make a delicious product, mm -hmm. but exclusive is where it becomes problematic. Like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe you can have the exclusive products, but you, you need to have the inclusive products mm -hmm. as well. Otherwise, all of the this inclusion talk is for absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we, we need to, to work on that. Uh, one last thing I would also like to say, if I may, okay. is we will work towards a better beer community when we make it inclusive, but also when we start taking care of people. Mm -hmm. People are being worked to the ground in this industry. And uh, there, there is this uh, romance around it. Like, oh, I just pulled a 17-hour shift and I, you know, brewed 18 beers in the last week and I have flipped dozens of tanks. And it's like, okay, that's not good. I mean, I, I understand you being proud of it because it takes a lot of effort and we all know how tasking it is and good on you for being able to juggle all of that and get out of it without any accidents. But we need to start taking care of beer people mm -hmm. across the board. Like people are depressed. People are in, they're anxious. They have PTSD from work accidents or they have social anxiety from doing too many events or there's all of these things that we aren't talking about because you know, oh, it's not sexy to talk about uh, safety and production or to talk about boundaries. Like who wants to 
tell their boss to F off when, you know, when they're afraid they won't get as many hours in the next rotation or something like that. So we we need to be more inclusive, but we also need to take better care of people. And we need to talk about mental health as much as we need to talk about the other things. We need to talk about alcohol abuse as much as we need to talk about other things. So um, create safe spaces for people, for all sorts of people, but also make make sure that you are taking good care of people because this industry is about people at the end of it. Everybody will tell you that they love craft beer because of the people. Mm -hmm. So the second that you start, you know, burning all of them out, every single one of them, you have nothing left. Mm -hmm. That beer is not going to brew itself. So, I mean, some will. (laughs) We have technology, but... (laughs) Well, I, I, that really takes, you know, it circles back to the longevity. Um, that's something we've talked about a little bit of um, how, how do we make sure that this is a sustainable industry from the standpoint of people, right? So from the standpoint of we want, if we're investing, uh, you know, into people's knowledge, into people's education, um, you know, they have... Uh, tenor where they're they've been there for 10 years or five years or whatever it is that's valuable knowledge but if you are burning people out and then they are leaving the industry that is it means it's an unsustainable practice it means that if you are if your your shift is expectations are something that is unreasonable where you're like this is this can't last right like you're you're if you're banking if your business model is banking on new people who are hungry to always continue climbing up and not fostering a thing of like, well, we want this person to to stay here. We want this person who we want them to work here for 10, 15 years because they have incredible knowledge and it's only going to keep growing, then it's not a sustainable business model. Um, So it is all about longevity and and sustainability as as people. And, you know, even even if we didn't want to retain talent, we still should you know, think about kindness. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. I I know that people think that it, you know, oh, it can't all be sunshine and rainbows. And I fully agree. Like I trust me, I work hard, and I I I always have, and I will for a long time. And you know, with studying and all of that, it just makes it harder. But if even even the physical stuff, like it, some of our jobs are immensely physical mm-hmm. so if if you're sending people you know home in a wheelchair by the time they're 40 mm-hmm. what what does that say about us as an industry so we should be looking out for one another we shouldn't be you know tossing people out like they're like they have become you know like their furniture or something they they're no longer useful mm-hmm. to you so take good care of people. Yeah, I know absolutely. it's a bit hippie from my end, but no, it is. I'm it's so it. true. It's, it's just a, an important theme to always resonate is to take care of one another, to take care of your community, take care of people in general, spread the kindness. Um, it's just going to create a brighter future for the, the beer community. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and perspectives. We are all extremely excited to see and support how you will continue working towards an equal industry, support underrepresented individuals, and make the community a better place for all. Uh, Thank you, listeners, for joining. Together, let's create something bigger than beer. 